Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Stevens Creek. How you feeling? Good. It is so good to see your faces. So good to see you. Good morning, South Augusta. Can we give it up for our South Augusta campus? So glad they are joining us. And for our folks who are still joining us online, can we celebrate our church family? However you decide to worship with us, there's a place for you you here at the Creek, and we're so glad you've joined us. Um, We've been in a talk. uh, Last week, we started a talk on battles, really the battle for your connection to God. And this week, we're going to continue that talk um, on the battle for your purpose, what God has designed you to do, what you are called to do, really your destiny and um, the reason why you are alive. We're going to talk about that battle today. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 22, starting at the 31st verse. Uh, Luke chapter 22, starting at the 31st verse. And it reads, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail, so that when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. I want to talk to you for a few moments on the battle for your purpose. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you for this day and this opportunity to hear your word. I pray you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would say in Jesus' name. Amen. On May 10th, 1994, uh, in a season following a time of fear, uh, mistrust, and division, Nelson Mandela stood to accept the presidency of South Africa and declared these words. The time of the healing of wounds has come. The time, the time for us to bridge the chasm that divides us has come. The time to build is upon us. He spoke these words in a time that really needed to hear messages of peace, reconciliation, and hope. He spoke these words in a way only he could. He was the only one capable of speaking these words uh, to chart a path forward for this nation, for the nation of South Africa. And unfortunately, my brothers and sisters, this almost didn't happen. You see, Nelson Mandela faced some obstacles on his way to fulfilling his God-given purpose. Nelson Mandela faced some obstacles and some battles in his education. He faced some obstacles and some battles with false charges. He faced some battles with uh, being bribed. He faced some battles with a a death penalty sentence that was a potential that was uh, faced towards him. He also faced a battle with a a long prison sentence, but at the end of the day, after all those battles, he was still able to accomplish his God-given destiny. He was still able to become the person God intended for him to be, and the reason is that God's purposes are not stopped by
by the battles that we face. God's purposes are not extinguished by the fires we face. God's purposes are not stopped by whatever's on the outside, that God has a purpose for our lives, that God has a plan for our lives. And although there is a plan, although there is a person, purpose, there are battles on our way to accomplishing the purpose of God on our life. Nelson Mandela's uh, story really gives us two truths, two fundamental truths that are necessary for us to understand about us as individuals. Here's the first one that you are created to make a difference. I don't know what you've been told in your life. I I know sometimes you may have been overlooked. You may not have a lot of people who say your name. Your history may not have its eyes on you, but the reality is that you were created on purpose to fulfill a purpose, and that was to make a difference in the lives of others. Because you are alive, somebody's life is going to be different. Because you existed, somebody's story is going to change. That is your entire purpose of living is to bring glory to God and make a difference in somebody else's life. But the second truth or second fundamental truth is that although your purpose is essential, there is a battle for its fulfillment. Although your purpose is essential, that it is necessary that God wants to use your story for his glory, although it is essential, there is a battle to the fulfillment of your purpose. We're introduced in our scriptural text this morning to a guy named Peter who understood all too well about the battle for your purpose. Now, Peter is one of my favorite people in scripture, y'all, because Peter allows me to see that I am not that far off. Peter allows me to know that it's okay that I can walk with Jesus, that it is possible to walk with Jesus. Peter is not as eloquent or high in the heavens as Paul, and he's not so filled with love as John. Peter is someone who is all too familiar with making some mistakes. Peter is all too familiar with putting his foot in his mouth. Peter is all too familiar with making the wrong decisions, and Peter is all too familiar with the concept of understanding that he is flawed and called. So if you are looking at yourself right now and say, I'm too messed up to do this, I got too many issues, I want you to look at Peter to understand that though you have issues, God can still use you. Though there are some things in your life that may not be all there, all the way right, all the way together, God still can take who you are and make something useful out of it and still allow you to accomplish the purposes that he has for your life. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. In our scriptural text, Peter had been walking with Jesus for about three and a half years, and Jesus is coming to the end of his earthly journey. Jesus understands that he is about to go to the cross and die for our sins And he's in the room where they are having the Last Supper. And Jesus, after Judas is dismissed to go and betray him, he looks over to Peter, knowing that Peter is going to be the leader of these disciples. He looks over to Peter and says, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. He has asked for you to sift you as wheat. Now that word sifting is uh, the imagery placed here is of farming and uh, uh, 
a tool that a winnowing where they would shake it to get all of the things that were not supposed to be there out. And what Satan was asking to do in Peter's life was to shake his life up. To turn it upside down. And many of you in this room, many of you watching online, know exactly what I'm talking about. That a shaking has come to your life. A sifting has come to your family. A sifting has showed up on your job. What was normal has been turned upside down, even in our world. A sifting has come to our entire world. He asked to sift Peter as wheat. And here's something that we need to understand and realize is that the battle for our purpose, or rather, our purpose, the fulfillment of our purpose will be seen in challenges in every area of our life. The battle for our purpose will challenge every area of our life. The storm clouds will show up in many different areas of our life. And this is what happens in the life of Peter. And there are three, it challenges every area of our life, but there are three challenges that I think I want to lift and highlight that happen in the life of Peter that show up in our lives. And the first is, is that it challenges your commitment. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 37 through 43, we get the story of Jesus and Peter right after this conversation. Jesus heads to the garden and Jesus is in distress. He needs his friends and his companions to be with him, to pray with him. And Jesus moves forward and he moves into the garden and he asks Peter to pray with him. And Peter moves, or Jesus moves a little bit further and he begins to pray and he comes back and he finds Peter sleeping. He finds Peter asleep at the wheel. Y'all, it reminds me of a story um, a few years ago when me and my wife were engaged. Uh, I was preaching in Deerfield Beach, and we were driving, and it was a Sunday night that I preached, and we were driving back to Tampa, and I was exhausted, y'all. I was so, let me tell you how exhausted I was. I was so exhausted that I let her drive some of the way. Now, many of you in here, you understand exactly what that means. Her driving scares me in the daytime. So for me to let her drive at night tells you that I was exhausted. And so we switched seats and uh, I was in the passenger seat. And normally I'm alert because I got to use the foot brake on the passenger side just in case every now and then. But I was so tired, I fell asleep. And y'all, I was peacefully sleeping. And the next thing I knew, I woke up to And I look over to the side, and my wife is sleeping at the wheel, and she is taking us off the side of the road. And all I could do was scream out, Jesus! <laughs> Needless to say, in that very moment, there was a sobering that happened to me. I was alert and I was awake. We stopped the car right there on the highway. We switched seats and I drove the rest of the way home. And, and, and here, here's the truth of the matter. In a moment where she was trying to be helpful, it almost became very harmful. She committed to do something, but she didn't have the capacity to see it through. And here's the challenge that comes in our lives, the sifting that shows up. 
It will challenge our commitment to the purpose of God on our lives. Do you really mean what you say? Are you really committed to do what is necessary in order to accomplish God's purpose and destiny for your life? In the life of Peter, he is found sleeping at the wheel in a moment he should be in prayer. In the moment he should be committed to standing by Jesus. Not only does it sift or shake and challenge our commitment, but the battle for our purpose comes to challenge our integrity. What do you do when no one is watching? What do you do when you think there will be no consequences for your actions? Martin Luther King said, and I paraphrase, the true me measure of a man is not what he does when everyone is watching, but it is what he does when no one is watching. It's a challenge for Peter's life. He thinks no one in his circle is watching when he shows up a few verses later in Luke chapter 22, verse 54 he is following closely, but not close enough that he feels that the people who have taken Jesus would notice him. And he is sitting by a fire. And somebody looks at him and says, aren't you one of those who were walking with Jesus? And Peter says in his Kiki Palmer voice, I don't know this man. I never seen this man before in my life. And somebody else looks at him and says, no, no, aren't you one who was walking with Jesus? And he says, I have no idea who you are talking about. I don't know who this is. And finally, the third time he is asked and he is so adamant that some, uh, some accounts of the gospel says he cusses and he adamantly says, I don't know who he is. Verse 61 tells us that at his third denial, Jesus looks over at Peter, and Peter remembers the words of Jesus. You see, the challenge for his purpose and destiny shook his integrity. And in a moment where he should have stand, stood firm, he cowered and caved to the pressure that was facing him. The challenge comes to shake every area of our lives. It's going to challenge our integrity. It's going to challenge our commitment. But ultimately, it's going to challenge our faith. John chapter 21 and verse 3 is a clear depiction because this is where it gets worse for Peter. Peter not only fails at his test for his commitment when he is shaken and challenged, he not only fails the test of integrity and he fails during the shaken and challenge of there, but his faith is silenced in John chapter 21 and verse 3. See what happens here, Peter says three words that in the moment, wanted to end his pursuit of destiny. He said, I'm going fishing. 
Now, for many of you, that's a good word to say. And if you fish and you catch something good, make sure you bring it back for me. But for Peter, what Peter was doing was saying, I quit. I give up on the purpose of God on my life. I give up on the plan of God on my life. I do not believe anymore that God has more for me, that I was made for more. I'm giving up on my dreams. I'm giving up on my hopes, and I'm going to go back to what is familiar. I'm going to be complacent. I'm going to settle for less than what I'm called to. I give up, and in the challenge of his faith, Peter fails, and many of us, are challenged in these same three areas, but specifically our faith. Many of us have walked away from dreams. Many of us have given up on destiny. Many of us have thrown in the towel. And some of you right here in this room and watching online, you're on the brink of throwing in the towel. But I just want to remind you that this is not the end. Although you're in a fight, although you're in the battle, weeping may endure for a night, but scripture says joy comes in the morning, that God's purpose will be fulfilled in your life and this is not the time to give up that God is going to see you through this. He's going to see you through. Here, here, here's the reality though. If we are going to win the battle for our purpose, the key to winning the battle for our purpose is learning to rest in God. If you don't hear anything else, I need you to understand the key to winning the battle for your purpose is learning to rest in God. It's not something you have to manufacture. It's not something you have to create on your own. Yes, God wants you to participate, but you've got to learn to rest in God. There's four things I want to show you about learning to rest in God or four areas that we can rest in God that are essential. Here's the first one. We've got to learn to rest in in God's authority. I, I, I love this text. Look at what it, Jesus says. He doesn't say it explicitly, but he infers his authority here. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you to sift you as wheat. The operative word here is asked, meaning Satan cannot move unilaterally. Uh, unilaterally. Satan cannot do things on his own, uh, own power. What he has to do is ask for permission. In other words, that God has authority over the actions of the enemy. And if God has allowed it, then he has a purpose for it. And because I know the character of God, I'm not going to be discouraged by the storms that I'm facing. Because I know who has authority, I'm not going to be blown to the left or to the right. I'm going to look to the God who has the answer, who has all authority, than being distracted by the storms and the winds that are blowing inside of of my life that's the good news that God has full authority and when I rest in his authority my problems become smaller the battle is not mine to fight I realize that the battle belongs to the Lord in the book of second chronicles chapter 20 we're introduced to a guy named Jehoshaphat who finds himself in a battle a bunch of kings got together and decided that they were going to attack him. Je Jehoshaphat is nervous. He's concerned about this battle. 
But then Jehoshaphat remembers that God has full authority and he declares these words. He says, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. When you understand who your God is, when you understand that he has full authority, it gives you confidence to rest in that authority. And I know it brings up another question where you are asking the Lord, why am I going through this? If you have the power to change it, why is it necessary? But the good news is, is because I know his character, although I may not understand it, I can trust that what he is doing is going to work out for my good in the end. I rest in his authority. Here's the second thing that's important for us to do. If we are going to win the battle for our purpose is to rest in God's protection. I love what happens here because Jesus announces to Peter, you are about to face a storm. You are about to face a battle. You are about to face a trial. But here's the good news, Peter, that I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. In other words, what God was saying or Jesus was saying to Peter is that the battle you are about to face is not outside of my protection. And some of you in this room right now need to hear that, that the battle that you are in right now is not outside of the realm of God's protection. That although it's difficult, although it's hard, God is still with you and God is still for you. The reality is that we will face some challenges and difficulty. Isaiah 54 tells us, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Here's the key in there. Weapons will be formed. Well, weapons will be fired against us. But the good news is that it will not accomplish what it has set out to do. That God's purposes will still be accomplished. That his protection still goes with us. David says it like this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. In another place, Psalms 138 and verse 7, this is what David says. He says, though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand and the power of your right hand saves me. Whatever you're facing, the good news is that you can rest in God's protection. That this is not the end of your story. That this is not a period, but rather a comma. That it will continue, that God has more in store for you and he will protect you in the midst of the battle. Here's the third thing that I think is important for us to understand. Not only is it important for us to know that we need to rest in his authority and rest in his protection, but we have to realize that we've got to rest in God's grace. 
look at Luke chapter 22 and verse 32. Jesus says to Peter that your faith may not fail. And after you have repented and turned to me again. Here's what Jesus is saying in this text. I anticipate where you are going to fall short. Jesus is not saying if Peter falls. He's not saying if this happened. Jesus is well aware that Peter is going to fall short of the standard that he has set. He knows Peter is not going to hit the mark all the way. He knows that Peter is going to miss it. And Peter missed it three times in big ways. But here's, here's the reality. Yes, Jesus anticipated his failure, but Jesus also anticipated Peter's return. And here's the good news for us is that in our failures, God has grace for our story. And God doesn't see you in your failures. He sees you in your future and who he has created you to be and who you are becoming. And maybe you are watching now. Maybe you're in this room and you're saying to yourself, I am too far from God. Preacher, you don't know what I have done. You don't know the things that I have been through. You're absolutely right. I don't know. But here's the truth of the matter. God knows. And he anticipated where you would go left and where you would go wrong. And he also anticipated a day that you would come home and accept and embrace the grace that he has for your life. And receive the grace that he has for your life. And today can be that day that you receive that grace. Because the good news is, is that Jesus anticipates a day that we do get it right. Jesus anticipates a day that we look more like him and less like things that do not please him. And he sees that day and he has prepared for us to accomplish his purpose in that mode and in that day. This is what Paul says. He starts his treatise in um, Romans 8 and 1. He says, there is no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. But I love what he says in Romans 8 and 34. He says it like this. Who then will condemn us? No one. For G Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Hear me, failure is not falling. Failure is refusing to get up. And today God is saying, get up. There is grace for that dormant dream. There is grace for that uh, potential that you have thrown away. You can rest in God's grace. It is not over. It is not the end. And he still has a purpose for your life. Here's the fourth and final thing that is essential for us to understand. Yes, we're going to rest in God's authority and his protection and his grace. But here's the final thing we got to do. We've got to rest in God's plan. If you've never been told before, God has a plan for your life. And Jesus anticipates Peter's failure and his return. And look at the last thing he says. And after you have returned to me, 
strengthen your brothers. See, Jesus understood that Peter's failures would not be the end of his story. And that he could take the fragmented pieces of Peter's life, put it back together, and make something beautiful. That he could take the grave of Peter's mistake and turn it into a garden of opportunity. That he could take the mourning and the sorrow over his failures and turn it into rejoicing. That he can make beauty out of the ashes in Peter's life. And here's the purpose for it. It was not just for Peter to do well. But it was because Peter's purpose was going to affect other people's lives. That Peter's story was going to make a difference in the lives of others. And today I want you to understand that the battle you are facing is not to take you under. The battle you are facing, you're going to make it through this and it will make a difference in other people's lives. We say this all the time that he will take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for our good. Here's the scriptural reference for that. In Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. Joseph, who had been treated wrong by his brothers, Joseph, who had lived a wonderful life, who had gifts and talents from an early age, who had purpose from an early age, was attacked by his brothers and thrown into a pit, was sold by his brothers into slavery, was then accused falsely accused of something he never did and put into prison and it looked like he had lost the battle for his life. But in a moment's time, God stepped in and created an opportunity for his purpose to arise and Joseph walked in to what he was always created to do and he was able to accomplish the destiny and the purpose on his life. And years later, when he is facing those same brothers who are now apologetic, Joseph looks at them and says these words, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And hear me, hear me very closely. The very thing you are praying for God to deliver you from could be the thing that shapes you into who you were always meant to become. The very thing you're trying to run from is the very thing God says is going to establish you as the person he has always created you to be. That's what it means when he will take what the enemy intended for evil and turn it around for good. The shaking in your life where it looks like everything is falling apart is really where everything is beginning to fall in line. In the case of Peter, 
what came to shake his commitment established and cemented his commitment what came to shake his integrity began to build his integrity and what came to silence his faith ended up ultimately amplifying his faith because in Acts chapter 2 this same Peter that denied Jesus stood up and declared to a crowd of witnesses what you are seeing is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel that in those days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and after he finished preaching 3,000 people went from death to life their life was changed by Jesus Christ and your story will have an impact on others and their lives will be changed because you were willing to see God do his work in your life your story is not over he will accomplish what he has intended to do like the song says he's the only one who can I know there's some of you in this room who are doubting that right now even as you hear the word of the Lord you're reminded of your problems. You're reminded of your pain and your battles. I want you to listen to the words of Scripture. Psalms 138 and 8, it says this, The Lord will work out his plans for my life. Yeah, your marriage looks crazy. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. I don't know if I'm going to still have my job in September. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord will work out his plan for your life. I, I don't know what's happening with my children and in my family. There's chaos. Hear the clarity of the word of the Lord. The Lord will work out his plans for your life. It's going to happen. It is for your good. He will not fail you. And here's why the enemy is fighting you so much. It's not because your life will change. It's because your life change will impact others. You're going to make a difference in the lives of others. And I want your faith to arise. Every dormant dream is coming back alive. The things you have walked away from, the things you have given up on, God is restoring the years that have been taken away from you. The battle for your purpose will be won when you rest in God. He has the victory. He has full and total authority. And maybe today... The battle that needs to be won in your life is for you to surrender your life to Christ, to say yes to him. If that's you today, I want to pray with you. But there's others of you in this room right now. You came in disappointed, deflated, discouraged. I want to pray with you. Some of you who are saying, I, I don't know what my purpose is. I'm just existing. I, I want to pray for you that God will do what he intends to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to speak your words. 
Thank you, God, for reminding us that you have a purpose and a plan for our life. Thank you for reminding us, God, that although there is a plan, that there is a battle to be fought, that, God, our, our lives will be challenged and sifted. Our commitment, our integrity, our faith. But, God, help. Thank you for reminding us that you have given us the keys to win these battles. It's not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. Help us to rest in your authority, to rest in your protection, to rest in your grace, and ultimately rest in your plan. God, for the person who has not said yes to you yet, who has not surrendered their life to you, let today be that day. Let today be the day that they say yes to you. And if that's you, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, save me. Change me. Make me into the person that you want me to be. I give my life to you. I surrender to you today. And God, for the people in this room, God, who are fighting the battle for purpose, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that you would give them a second win, that you would encourage the hearts, God. Lord, I pray that faith would arise in your people. That, Lord Jesus, we would stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. When we have done all that we can to stand, that we would continue to stand. That, Lord Jesus, you would take what the enemy intended for evil and turn it around for good. That, God, you would switch and reverse the curse, God. That what was meant to give us a grave will turn out into a garden. What was meant to destroy us would ultimately propel us, God. That, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you would restore faith families, that you would restore children, that you would restore dreams and purposes and hope. Let hope arise, God. And ultimately, God, we will give you the glory. We will give you the honor and the praise because it belongs to you. And if you believe it, put your hands together and say amen. 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 Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.